0: All right, I'm here with Peggy Hall. Um, she is an educator and activist. You may have seen some of her videos talking about the legality of the mask orders and some of the other orders um, here in California, especially. And so I wanted to talk to her about that and ask, you know, what's what's going on? Governor Newsom, um, just as of as of Tuesday, um, he has ordered a bunch of you know a, a bunch more. Um, business establishments need to close down in various counties. And um, is that law? Well, first of all, thanks for coming coming on the show. Um, is what he's doing lawful? Is there any law behind, behind these orders?
1: <laughs> there is zero law behind these orders. And I, I would love to dive in and explain a little bit about orders and where they come from and how they work and if they're lawful or not, because this is an area of mystery for many people, including myself. When all this happened, I was probably like like most people, thinking, "Well, um, gee, I, I, I'm not really too worried about getting sick. I haven't seen anybody get sick." But okay, you you know, I'll take a couple of weeks off my job and uh, uh, you know, I'll emerge from back into society in a couple of weeks. Well, when that didn't happen and these weeks extended to months, I decided to dig a little deeper. That's just my nature. I'm an educator, I'm a researcher, I've written hundreds of articles for major magazines on health and wellness and nutrition. And I've that's what I do. I'm a teacher, I'm a a reacher, I like to reach people with information. And so what was amazing to me is when I dug a little deeper, I found out that the California law. That gives authority to the governor to proclaim a state of emergency. It's very simple and it's very clear. A governor can only declare a state of emergency under three circumstances. And one is if there is a state of war, and that's a state of war emergency, if we are literally under attack. Now, I would say we are under attack. Um, but the problem is we're under attack by the government. So that that's another uh, kind of mm-hmm. another thread to discuss. But the other um, actually, the other main one is has a category which states it can be in case of an earthquake or um, you know, civil disobedience, civil unrest. And one of the categories is an epidemic. In California, there's something called the California Emergency Services Act. And this is what gives the governor the authority to declare a state of emergency. So the first question I asked myself was, what is a state of emergency? And because a lot of us hear those words and we're not quite sure, we think that the governor can suddenly make laws and suspend laws. And actually, no governor can make a law. No mayor can make a law. No sheriff can make a law. No judge can make a law. In our form of government, the only individual, and they're not even individuals, the only body that can make law is a legislative body. And that would be in your state, you have. Uh, In California, we have an assembly and a senate. And uh, at the most local level, you have a city council. And at the county level, you have a county board of supervisors. In California, the governor can declare a state of emergency if there are things that are considered an emergency. For example, if there is a flood or an earthquake or an epidemic. So when I started to dig deeper, I found out that An epidemic is an outbreak of an infectious disease that is greater than expected, than typically experienced. And that outbreak of the disease has to be of such a magnitude, and that's the word they use, is magnitude, that it overwhelms the resources and the personnel in the state. That's why we heard early on that there was not enough PPE and ventilators and hospital rooms and personnel. So the state of fear, which was created by these uh, terrorists, as I will use the word by the dictionary definition, which is to control the population through fear for political gain and control. Um, The terrorism that has been perpetrated upon the population has prevented people from thinking clearly. Luckily, I've never been one to watch TV. I don't have a TV. I've never been interested in it. I go right to the source. So, when I was when things were still open and I would be at the nail salon, you know, I'd see the numbers on the screen go by. But when I did the digging and I actually went to the State Department of Health and I got the numbers for California and I got the previous numbers of other infectious diseases because that's what an epidemic is, uh, the numbers didn't pan out. At the time that I did my research, only about 2,000 deaths had been attributed to this uh, illness. And typically, there are about 7,000 people that die every year in California of the flu. So I thought, well, that doesn't meet the definition. So then I looked at the impact on the resources. And I I called hospitals and I went to hospitals and I called to, I called and spoke with um, doctors that oversee the critical care units of our local hospitals. And they told me the hospitals were empty, that there wasn't even a COVID unit and that floors were being shut down and personnel was being laid off. And in one case, Hogue Hospital in Newport Beach was on the brink of bankruptcy because of the dearth, the lack of People coming to the hospital. So that, that made me say, well, there's two strikes that don't meet the definition of a state of emergency. The third strike was that the law states that a state of emergency has to be terminated at the earliest possible date. Well, the earliest possible date would be that like yesterday or six months ago, because the resources and personnel of the state were never overwhelmed so i made a video on that and i explained it all and i just did it as a public service announcement i mean i had to create a youtube channel i didn't have any of that And I put up this video and I immediately started getting phone calls from people who wanted more information and to find out how to do it in their state. And could I give them a link to the laws and the data? So I thought, well, I better create a place for all of this information. And that's how I created The Healthy American. It's thehealthyamerican.org. And I chose that name because my background is in health. I've been a health educator for 20 years. I've been an educator and a teacher trainer for 30 years. And I actually have a degree in political science and a master's degree in international policy. I've never practiced my my political. I've never used and uh, you know professionally my political background and my interest in civics and law and society and. I've always had an interest in that. And here, years later, it, it's finally serving me. And I don't mean to say that anyone needs a degree to understand any of this. You don't need to be right. a lawyer. You don't need to be a doctor. You don't need to have a degree in political science. I, I just say that because it's my interest. And anyone can find this. So my what I've been dedicating now, this portion of my life, which I believe is the most important portion, and it it's a, an intersection of my passion and experience in education in health and in law and politics is i want to equip people with the tools so that they're not going to have the wool pulled over their eyes people have i, I love this word they've been bamboozled okay they've been <laughs> they've been hoodwinked they've been duped why because the uh, terrorists in charge think that we are too ignorant or incompetent or lazy to dig deeper. And I'm here to show people exactly how to do it. I'm doing it in, in really in a state-by-state basis. And we have collaborated not, not only in the United States, but in Canada. I've got people reaching out to me from Australia, from New Zealand, from South Africa, wow. from the UK. These are places that are uh, very hard hit, that are being suffocated. And that's the term. We're being suffocated with our rights we are being oppressed and we're being suffocated with our breath any third grader can tell you that you breathe in oxygen and that trees absorb our carbon dioxide and the trees give off oxygen for us to breathe science is trying to flip it on its head and tell us that breathing carbon dioxide is good for you by the way how does that fit in with global warming and carbon dioxide is killing us but now they want us to breathe it Mm -hmm in an enclosed space. So that was a long introduction, but that's how I came onto the scene and I continue to educate. And it's actually a business. It's an, it's an educational services business that people can, um, come to and find information and get matched up with others in their area. Because you know what, Brittany, the, the number one, um, Point that I would like to make for everyone listening is please do not fall into the river of despair We want you to hop on board. We've got a life preserver. We're going to get you in that in that um, Lifeboat we're going to get you on board and there are many um, ships in this fleet of freedom as I'm going to use that analogy There are groups that have been working for vaccine freedom. There are those that are working for um, homeschooling. There are those that are working to expose many of the deficits in our government. And I'm not talking financial, the the harms that the government is doing. And we're all, it's this giant fleet and we're all going in the same direction. But each ship has um, its own, you know, captain at the helm. So mine is all about education and information to inspire people to take action. There are millions of people that are kind of man overboard waving at me saying, help, what can I do? I want to get on board. What do I do? And I'm going to tell them what to do step by step and that's that to me
0: that's key because there are so many people who, like you say are just feeling desperate or just overwhelmed, so overwhelmed that they don 't know you know you see all this stuff in the media this the scare headlines and everything, and you know where do you go to get the accurate information and then I mean literally the way that for getting back to Governor Newsom the way that his orders or guidelines are being portrayed in the media is really as if they have the force of law. And so you really need to make an effort to find out what is actually so about those guidelines. And, you know, most people aren't going to make that effort. Uh, You know, most people don't have time. You know, we're busy trying to live our lives and now we've got all this other stuff to deal with. Who has time to to look into that to, you know, to figure out what's actually the case about the law. So you've done that. You've created on your website, people can go, nobody has to take your word for this. People can go to your website, they can look and see where you have looked to find out what the law actually says, who has the, who in our system, who makes laws, who does not make laws, what the powers of the governor are, or, or a mayor, or a sheriff, all this stuff. Um, what you've created really is a resource for people to find out for themselves what's so about these quote unquote mandates.
1: I really like how you put that. And um, that's exactly my intention is to take people by the hand and say, look, here it is. It's actually interesting. It's interesting to me. And I was probably, you know, I'm just like everybody else. And I've lived the bulk of my life, not really caring about the local government and what they were doing, because it didn't appear to affect me directly. I only cared that The potholes were fixed on the roads. You know, the 911, if I had to call, they would show up. You know, the parks were open. The libraries were open. Um, That was the extent of my involvement in, in government, although I have worked at every level of government. I've worked at the city government until they booted me out you know, six months ago when all this came down. And interestingly, they don't, even, they don't even keep in touch with me. It's very, very sporadic about when I would come back. I don't even hear from them anymore, basically. So what were you doing with the city government? Um, I was working as, and this was kind of a fun job for me. And I was working as a, an instructor for water fitness classes. Now, most of my, and this is for the city, most of these individuals um, were seniors and they had problems which is why they couldn't go to the gym or go for a walk or you know Mm -hmm. do other activities because they had a back surgery or a knee replacement or they had difficulty with their balance and so when this came down it's like this was the exact group that was going to be penalized these are people that needed their daily exercise and you know what they really needed was the socialization and the reason most of the people came to my class although the class was fun and it was a great workout they came to see their friends and having that be um, told that they couldn't do it. Now, again, I was like most people, and I thought that was a law. I thought it was required that my classes had to end. But you know what? As I started digging deeper, I found out none of that is lawful. Unfortunately, the city, the city of San Clemente, mm-hmm. um, is corrupt. And the uh, individuals that are taking money are, are operating under fraud, as are all of the county officers Um, and and I want to explain that because this is not an accusation and this is not slander and it's none of that These are actually facts and I hope that some of these individuals will listen and learn because I've been educating Lawbreakers. Oh, excuse me lawmakers on how to actually understand the law And the reason I know this Brittany, is because i've had more than one conversation With my county supervisor office with their chief of staff and when I actually said Um, don't you realize that your body of governor, you know, the governing body has to vote to extend this uh, emergency. It just can't go on forever. I quote, and this is more than once, I quote, well, we're not really up on the law. We're really not up on the law. You are the law. Body and you are not up on the law, and you know what they aren't, which is why they continue to break the law. So all of you lawbreakers, excuse me, lawmakers out there, like city council members and um, county commissioners and HOA uh, people, who is the the lowest part, form of government? And I use that word very accurately. The lowest form of government, uh, unless we get into, you know, there are other types of associations that also have elected members. And all of these uh, need to understand (laughs) the law better. Uh, They never needed to close that pool. They never needed to close the city. No business owner ever was required to close. No school was ever required to close. No Mm -hmm. hair salon, no nail salon, no jewelry store, no bank. Actually, the banks didn't close. No um, mom and pop shop ever needed to close. And this is where I want to educate them. A governor has no authority to order any member of the public or any business to do anything. Zero. And the dictionary definition of an individual, like a governor, who orders businesses to do something, that dictionary definition is called a tyrant. Okay, so that's living in a government system called tyranny or totalitarianism, which means that total power is in one person. Now, luckily, our recognized form of government is not that. And I say recognized because there's a there's a type of government on the books and then there's the government that's actually happening. So the type of government on the books has three co-equal branches of government. There's a governor who's an administrator like he signs the checks. Okay. (laughs) He's the administrator. He, he does all the operational stuff. All right. And he oversees departments and agencies. So we've got the DMV, the department of motor vehicles, and we've got all of the licensing boards for the medical board and the cosmetology and, um, you know, uh, any licensing board, you want to go get a fishing license, all of this Paperwork is under his realm. It's a very bureaucratic, paperwork-driven uh, kind of thing. The second, uh, or it's not the second, but a, a, another branch of our government is the legislative branch. These actually are the lawmakers. This is who you have as your state senator and your state representative. In California, we call them assembly assembly members. In other states, they might have a different name. Uh, they might, you know, you might have a state congressperson. We've got an assembly and a Senate. And if you want to make a law, it goes through a lawmaking procedure. You have an idea, it gets discussed in committees. If there's enough merit, it will go through to have a full discussion in the whole body. It might go back for debate. The public can come speak on it and give their input. It's published for people to read. So we are all informed and we have a say maybe a limited say, but by law, we do have a say. And we can go in front of our lawmakers and have meetings and discussions and email and phone calls and all of that. Through this lawmaking process, as it winds its way up, when when the bill is agreed upon, it goes to the governor's desk and he signs it into law or he vetoes it. So that is his only power, but he does not make the law. Now, he may have people, and he does, in that Lawmaking body doing his dancing the way he tells mm-hmm. them to dance. Absolutely. I, I'm not blind to that whatsoever. But the point is, even if this is done through what we call lip service, it still is a procedure that has to fo- be followed. And then there's another branch of government called the judicial branch, and that is our court, which is civil court and criminal court. So if somebody commits a crime, they are accused and they can have a trial or, or you know, whatever all that works its way through that judicial system and most importantly, these courts and these judges who are elected. Okay, we have elected judges. It's very important you who you vote for. Not that voting is valid any longer, but um, let's just play in their fairy tale a little a little bit. But it's really interesting to me interesting to me, Brittany, because the judges also have the ability to do what's called checks and balances. Somebody can bring before them a case that says, I don't think this law is valid. I I want you to do a judicial review. I want you to review this, this law that was passed. And since you're impartial, unlike the lawbreakers who were trying to get a law for their favor, I want you, the judge, to look at Existing law constitutional law the Constitution of California every state has a Constitution and everyone listening should Memorize that preamble or the first paragraph of your Constitution of your state which which Renders all of this null and void. Okay, because our Constitution says that we are free and equal citizens and we have the right to pursue our life the way we want to and um, That law is being broken every time, you know millions of times a day Luckily there are many lawsuits in front of judges to say hey wait a minute this guy's not playing fair this guy's trying to say he wants four strikes instead of three strikes he wants to he, you know they're trying to change the rules and that and that's not that's not lawful so there are many lawsuits in this uh, judicial branch right now and what's interesting to me brittany is basically we are operating on one basically one and a half branches of government now because the legislative branch has not met because of this proclamation by the terrorist who just said eh, we're not going to meet well first of all he doesn't have any legal authority to do so every one of these lawbreakers is breaking the law because they have abdicated their post they should be showing up to work every day they should they should have a key to get into the capitol building and they should continue to have their meetings in person and here's why you do not catch a disease from a location the media is at it again, trying to say that uh, there is an outbreak of disease at the Capitol. Well, there's no way to prove that because the Capitol doesn't give you a disease. The Capitol doesn't carry a disease. Let's set aside the mysteries of viruses and how they're even um, how they even work because I I have. Let's a topic for another day. Let's yeah. join their fairy tale and say that these diseases are infectious. All right? Let's just take them at their word for a moment. If that's true, you can only catch it from another individual. And there is a law in California. See, this is so interesting to me. There's a law in California on the books that says um, an individual can never be liable for giving you a disease unless, number one, they know they have the disease. And right now, nobody actually knows if they have any disease. How do I know that? Because the tests are inaccurate. So there's no way of knowing that you actually have anything that they're talking about right now. You could have bronchitis. You could have sinus infection, right? You could have allergies. And all of that could be put down that you have this disease. There is no irrefutable conclusive way to measure whether someone has been infected or not and I have people say to me Oh Peggy come on. There are people dying in the hospital I know people individually who have this and my so-and-so died and my neighbors this and that that may be true I am not Arguing the point that people aren't getting sick and dying of something But my point and I would and I would like someone to bring me evidence to the contrary I would like to have the conclusive irrefutable evidence that demonstrates that you that, that one individual is infected with this or not. Having said that, let's join the fairy tale. Let's say that you, you know what this illness is. So the person needs to know they have it. Number two, they have to willingly seek to transmit it to you for the criminal intent of making you sick. All right. Do you think that happened on Capitol Hill? Do you think one of those lawbreakers came in uh, to give a speech before the committee and uh, try to cough and sneeze on everyone? How could that even be if they were wearing masks? All right. So the whole thing is ludicrous. Those with eyes to see and ears to hear and a brain to think with, you know, like can see right through this charade. Um, but well, especially they, the part you you said that um, G-
0: governor governor Newsom and I wasn't actually aware of this that he declared logis- that the legislature is closed. That means they can't even meet online. They can't even they can't even
1: hold their sessions remotely. Nothing is being done, to my knowledge, right now. And it wow. actually is under the um, the person who has the authority to call the Congress together. Uh, in, her name. It, it is called the Senate. Um, president and her name is Tony Atkins of San Diego. So all you people listening, if you want to let Senator Tony Atkins know how you feel about things. And I believe Senator Tony Atkins is going to be sued uh, personally for fraud, as most of these are. And I wanted to get back for a moment, Brittany, about fraud, because th- that's where I started this diatribe was about the city of San Clemente. <laughs> and um, they don't have, they d- did not have any legal reason to close their things other than to say, we are trying the the health and, here's what they say. It's a blueprint. The health and safety is our number one concern. Well, it shouldn't be your number one concern because in their own Um, I work for the, uh, as a contract employer for the um, recreation department and their mission states to um, create a community where people can come and improve their health and do exercise and all that. They're they're actually going against their own mission, their own statement. Further, the reason they called the, the local emergency, every city, by the way, has declared a local emergency. Most people aren't aware of that. If you call your city office, call the city clerk. They're the easiest ones to get in touch with. They'll answer your phone. You can call the city clerk. You can call the city attorney. You can ask them this question, who sits on the emergency council for the city? That's the question to ask. Who sits on the emergency council for the city? And the reason you want to ask this question is because you want to determine if that emergency council is still meeting. If the emergency council is no longer meeting, it's a de facto no longer is there a local emergency. Why is that important? The reason it's important is because they are getting money. They're getting your money out of your pocket yeah. and out of mine that I actually worked for that they didn't work for, but they are stealing money out of my pocket and that is fraud. So, the reason it's fraud is because they are intentionally misrepresenting information. And that's the one of the legal definitions of fraud. It's very easy to understand and Luckily in California, there was a law, I'm not in favor of all these laws, but there was a law uh, written not too long ago that says the law has to be written in an easy to understand way that everybody can understand it, which is why most of this language is very simple. And the, the language says a local emergency can only be called at the introduction of an infectious disease. It doesn't say, and continue until the disease no longer exists. Now, they may have an idea to put that in the law, but right now it's not in the law. It's at the introduction of the disease. So that was back in February. Therefore, even by these governors, and I'm talking about across the country, the governor's own words by saying, we are reopening and we are um, having our phases and our stages, this is telling us that we no longer are in an emergency. If you had an emergency and you had to go to the hospital, let's say you broke you broke your leg and it was an emergency and you needed to have surgery. They're going to put you in the emergency room, fix you up, give you surgery. You don't go back to the emergency room, do you? You go into a recovery and maybe you go to a nursing home and maybe you go home and you're on crutches. You're not healed. Your leg is not better yet but it's no longer in an emergency. So a third grader will understand this, but the lawbreakers don't understand it. We no longer are in the emergency room. We might've been, you know, for a couple weeks back then, not according to what I've seen, but let's just play along with their fairy tale. Once the fire is put out, once you've had the operation, you are no longer in the emergency ward. You are in the recovery by their very words. Why so just, does this just? Ma- to, just yes. Sorry, just to back up a little bit. Um, yeah
0: when a state of emergency is declared what it sounds like the way they are interpreting this is when a state of emergency is declared they have unlimited power to do
1: whatever they want what does a state of emergency actually give them it gives them limited power in scope and duration now the media is has been saying over and over again the governor's new law, the governor mandated this, the governor's new um, order. And that is purposely to confuse people and to condition their mind to believe that a governor indeed can tell them or a business what to do. Here's what a governor can do. The only thing a governor can do, anything outside, excuse me, anything outside of this is unlawful, fraudulent, fraud is a Uh, felony. And a felony carries a prison sentence, just to put that on the books. And it filters down, and I'll explain that in just a moment, Brittany. It filters down to the county level and to the city level. So it applies to all of these lawbreakers. So here's what a governor can do. He can issue orders directed to the departments and the agencies under his rule. He's not a lawmaker. He's a lawbreaker. He's not a lawmaker. He is certainly not a judge. And he's certainly not law enforcement. And by the way, stores and businesses are not law enforcement. So just as an aside, they have no legal authority to enforce you wearing a mask or not. They are not. They are not law enforcement. All right. They cannot even apprehend a shoplifter because that would be impersonating law enforcement, which is a penalty, and it is a crime. <laughs> you know that that is a crime. So uh, that's just an aside because. Because the governor and these county and cities know that their orders are um, hollow and they don't care any weight of the law. They've now shifted it to the businesses to say, you, we weren't able to stop anybody. We weren't able to enforce the mask because we don't have any power to do so. So you enforce it for us. And that's called strong arming. It's a a crime syndicate technique. It's like mafia, um, you know, mafia bosses. That's basically what they're doing. So to answer your question. And I want this to be made so simple and so clear. People will still argue with me by this, by the way, and it's astonishing to me how people want to argue that that they have the right to be ruled by a dictator. Mm-hmm. I would love for them to just go, move to a country, and leave the rest of us alone. All right, all you mask wearers mm-hmm. who comply uh, without giving up in a fight, giving up a fight, and all you people that are closing businesses because you're afraid. The government's going to take your license away. What makes you think the government, the gov- government's not going to take your license away anyway? They're, you're going to be the first target because you're the most compliant. So here's what happens. People have been conditioned to think a governor can tell them to close their business, to put on a mask, to stay home, to don't visit their loved one. All of these nursing homes that are licensed by the state that have um, bowed to the emperor um, eagerly because they're afraid their license will be taken away. I have news for them their license won't be taken away. The only way their license can be taken away is if they violate an established regulation. What is a regulation? A regulation is on the books. It went through a lawmaking procedure, and there's a number, there's a code. For example, a nursing home, and and I actually have not read them in detail, But I have looked deeply enough to know that there is no new regulation about masks or preventing loved ones from visiting. None of those are laws, and none of them need to be upheld. And if I had a loved one in a nursing home, I would go get an attorney, and I would go get the sheriff, and I would go get a judge, and I would have a warrant for that person's arrest for crimes against humanity. I would personally sue, not the nursing home. I would sue that individual that doesn't let me in. I would sue them for discrimination, and I would sue them for um, so many things. I'm getting off track here. The point being, the only way a nursing home can be shut down is if they violate an established regulation. All you people running nursing homes, all you people running restaurants, nail salons, hair salons, pet stores, uh, chocolate shops, any of the mom and pops that are running a business and that you're afraid you're going to be shut down, the only thing the government can do at this point is to write you up a big old parking ticket. All right. And that parking ticket is called a citation and it's a misdemeanor and it carries a thousand dollar fine. And I personally will pay your thousand dollar fine out of my own pocket. You stand up for yourself and you stop cowering in front of these tyrants because you are going to be the first to have your head on the chopping block. And I'm sorry to say that's, that is not an analogy and that's not a metaphor. And if we have time, Brittany, I'm going to tell you something, the most alarming news. I got at two o'clock in the morning last night. I couldn't sleep at all. So listen, friends and business owners, there is no regulation on the books for you to ever close your business under threat of your license being taken away. Your license could only be taken away if you are violating something that's already in your regulations. Now, I don't know the regulations about a nursing home related to how many staff members they need per beds. That probably is a regulation. And if you're violating that, or you're not feeding the um, you know the residents at the certain time and you're not giving them care You're going to be fined on that for sure and they can come in and inspect you for all those things But listen to me carefully Stop living in fear Stop harming millions through your actions because you're making it harder for people like us Who are actually fighting for you to live in freedom? You have got to stand up and start compiling those tickets and I will pay for every single one of them out of my pocket All right I will pay I will write you a check to cover that, and guess what i won't even need to do that because you go to court and you go before a judge, and the judge is going to throw that out if it is a judge that has any integrity and you know what if that judge doesn't throw it out we're going to add his name to the list of judges that we are going to judges can be arrested oh many have many have been handcuffed and led away. Do you know that in the in the um do you live in l a county? Brittany, is that you know that Sheriff Baca is behind bars. I mean, he is in prison. Oh, yes. Or or the- the This is news. Oh, I don't know if it's the, I may have the wrong sheriff, but there is one behind bars right now, and he was the uh, LA County Sheriff. Oh, yes. Many, many- Public servants and uh, lawmakers became lawbreakers, and in the LA City Council, uh, one of those fellows is about to go to prison um, for all the corruption. So it does happen while we still have a court system. All right, now when that the governor has also tried to shut down the courts. When that happens, now we are living under one branch of government, which is called tyranny, totalitarianism, dictatorship, communism, whatever you want to call it. And for those of you that are saying, Peggy, you are just off your rocker you are exaggerating this is about why are you trying to kill people I don't care about that actually I know I know you're not gonna people aren't going to want to hear that I actually don't care because I personally would give my life I would catch this the cooties and die on the spot if it meant saving freedom for this country in fact I would die on the spot if it meant saving one person from suicide yes, I would give my life for that. I would give my life if it meant one child was not going to suffer child abuse at the hands of of others that have been so psychologically damaged with this psychological warfare So if you want to call me selfish, not you Brittany, those out there this is and I'm getting at a fevered pitch I realize it because my passion is just unbridled and the beauty of it is it's all based on fact all of this is fact that I'm sharing there is no regulation on the books that you can be fined for, for keeping your restaurant open or your hair salon or your nail salon or your jewelry store. Now people are going to say, Peggy, they're not going to come. The People are so afraid. Well, that's their choice, but I don't want you to be compliant in it. Now, so let me get back to your question and I want to be clear. The governor has zero authority to order any individual to do anything. That means an individual business owner. Um, you as an individual, the only authority he has is over the individuals in his departments so he can order an inspector to show up at your salon are you with me that's the only thing he can do everybody wants him to get out of. he's trying to color outside the lines all right he has one lane it's called administrative function it's the most boring paperwork i would never want that job in a million years Mm -hmm. i mean it's signing checks and you know get get this the money seems pretty good though uh, yes. <laughs> so he, he tweeted, okay, this isn't even law. He tweeted, uh, oh, by the way, you guys all have to close your hair salons, gyms. Of course, it's the very thing that keeps us healthy and sane, right? Personal care to get your hair done, to get a facial, a massage, to go to the uh, gym, Right. To um, go out to a restaurant, to go to a movie theater—these are the things that these are the simple pleasures in life. To take that from an individual really gets to the root of their self-care and well-being. Closing churches with a tweet—I don't think so. You know what? I don't even—I don't even criticize this this terrorist. He's going to try everything he can. I, I don't—I don't expect anything less from this uh, this evil What bothers me are the pastors who are rolling over and closing their churches. What Mm -hmm. bothers me are the restaurants that are so afraid that they're making their staff um, suffocate. They're violating every OSHA rule possible. By It's called the general rule, which is you you have to have it maintain a safe workplace. They're violating that every moment they allow somebody into their store with a mask on. And mark my words, OSHA is going to be the linchpin. OSHA will... Because they can't, it is impossible for them to change um, their millions of regulations to suddenly say, oh, yes, by the way, now you can operate in an unsafe workplace. Mm-hmm. So there are many lawsuits going forward, many, many lawsuits and complaints against OSHA. And um, we are making headway. It's a little bit slow going. But to really hammer it home, the only authority now people will say, well, Peggy, in an emergency, the governor has broad powers because the LA Times told me so. Well, I heard it on NPR. Well, that was on Fox News. Yeah, the only powers he has is to change the regulations of these departments and agencies. Now listen carefully, everybody, and please do not email me and ask me about this again. Mm -hmm. I get thousands of emails every day Mm -hmm. saying, but I thought, no, I'm gonna really use this interview a lot, (laughs) Brittany, because this is the most important information I wanna give. The only things that a governor can suspend or modify are regulations within these departments and agencies. Here's a very simple example: If you are a barber and you have a license from the from the license for the Board of Barbering and Cosmetology, and it's time for you to renew your license, the governor has has issued many, many, many. Um, modifications to these regulations saying, well, you know what, we're going to give you three months now to renew it instead of one. All right. Now that may have affected that individual barber, but not the running of his business, right? These are regulations that already are on the books. Let's say that um, there's a regulation on the books for the DMV about, uh, you know, some paperwork form. He can change that paperwork form because it's a regulation within that department and agency. It has nothing to do with you and me. Well, yeah, it has something to do with you and me if I have to go to the DMV and I have to use a different form. But it doesn't have, he cannot tell you what to do. It it is only within the departments and agencies, even in a state of emergency. Now, there are additional um, conditions. And here are some that are very alarming. In a state of emergency, which by the way, by law, terminates after 60 days. Or when the the legislative branch proclaims it terminated, and of course the legislative branch is not meeting, so they haven't been able to terminate that. We've seen that in other states that the um, convening bodies have terminated the proclamation. We've also seen that judges have thrown this out. We saw this in Illinois. I mean, this is probably what's going to happen in California. A judge is going to say these orders are invalid because they are. But here's the funny thing, Brittany. In in Illinois, the governor, all of his orders were found to be null and void, all of the masks and all of that. Even though the judge ordered this finished, the governor is still trying to enforce it. That's the depth of their evil doing. And because individuals are so easily manipulated in a period of fear and because they listen to the news and the media, they, don't, they didn't even get the news from a judge that these orders are null and void. They are, they are empty. They are hollow. And I predict that would happen in California. In fact, one judge that came out uh, to say exactly that, that the governor has overstepped his limits. Newsom is trying to get him uh, silenced. So I, I want freedom-loving people from all sides of the aisle—from you know left and right, and upside down and inside out. How does that sit with you? Imagine it was flip-flopped, and someone was in power that had the opposite ideology that you have. Would you like that? How would you like that? How would you like that if a person from the other direction? Was in charge and just made law by proclaiming it. I don't think you would like that. People now that are saying, well, just wear a mask, go along with it, we'll get through it sooner. What if it was the opposite? What if they said, you are forbidden to wear a mask, even if it helps you? Even if it will keep you to live to be 120, we forbid you to wear that mask. How would you feel about that? You see, I'm in favor of freedom. You choose for you and I choose for me. You're feeling afraid and fearful and don't want to get sick and have a compromised immune system, you do what's right for you right? That's called self-responsibility. Now, getting back to this governor, what he can do, and this is what, not, not what he can do, but what is allowed for in a state of emergency, which only exists for 60 days, and get this, Brittany, in his proclamation, this is what the funniest thing of all, and this is what the judge, I believe, threw out. He said, oh, by the way, I am suspending that law that says, the state of emergency ends after 60 days. Because because that, that, does, that doesn't really suit me. <laughs> he doesn't have every... the power to do. He doesn't no, have he the doesn't. power to suspend laws. No, he doesn't. He has no power to suspend laws. He can modify these regulations. So he could say, for example, um, I hereby declare that fishing season is closed until December. Because mm-hmm. Fishing season is regulated by the Department of Fish and Game, and the Department of Fish and Game is under his.
0: Right, uh, he can tell fishing. them how to manage yeah, their own regulations right. that already
1: exist. You're, so you're the exactly
0: way you're right. describing this, I mean, it really sounds it sounds like this this takeover by the executive branch. I mean, it sounds like the kind of thing you hear about from third world countries where a dictator comes in and all of a sudden there's no more judiciary, there's no more legislature. That's what it's... Am I wrong to, to think that that's what's going on
1: here? Brittany, you have it exactly. And I love how you just expressed that. When it took me 20 minutes. You just put it in one sentence. And because that's exactly it, my friend, the only difference between the third world country and the United States is that here, people are blind to it, all right? They, they don't want to... It's a natural human emotion to be in denial when something very bad happens. Uh, if you've ever gotten bad news, you know, one of the first things you might have been, no, that can't be. We, it, it's mm-hmm. a shock system. And I believe that many people are still in a state of shock. There's shock and then there's denial and denial is this isn't really happening this is the united states I, I you know didn't i vote last week and people are are in denial as to the reality and i understand that then when you add fear which clouds the the, the thinking mind the critical mind and you operate on adrenaline and cortisol which is a heightened sense of anxiety which is why people are breaking out in fist fights at grocery stores where if if you had watched this on The news six months ago. If you had seen this in a third world country, you would say these people are out of their minds. How can it? How can I be discriminated against for not wearing a mask? We've heard about white privilege. What about mask privilege? How is it any different that people, based on their appearance, wearing a mask is is an appearance based on their appearance? How are they given a privilege that I am denied? It is not. It is not any different. (gasps) What what do you think about that? Um, uh,
0: there's so, there's so much there's just so much to say about it. Um, to me, I, I think you're right about the the emotional state that people are in and the state of fear. I've actually been saying this for even before before COVID nineteen came up. It feels to me like all of American culture has been sort of been manipulated into this state of being at war with each other. And, um, I, I spent a lot of time in Asia and I've, I've known people who lived through the cultural revolution, for example. And for the last few years, I've been watching this and I've been saying, this is, this is exactly what, this is the mentality that created the cultural revolution. This is the antagonism and the, um, the fear and the hatred and all, and here comes my cat. Um, but it, it's this has been brewing for a long time. This is not something that just, in my view, the um, the the fear and the being at each other's throats. And the way I see it is that. There are people who are benefiting from that. There are people and, and institutions that are getting a lot of power, a lot of money. I mean, all these small businesses that are closing, who's gonna take their market share? It's not gonna be the mom and pop stores. It's gonna be Amazon and Walmart and all the you know, these big corporate entities. There's a massive wealth transfer going on. There's a massive power transfer going on. Somebody's benefiting from the fact that we're all at each other's throats. And I think that is what scares me the most. Um, that and this this ignorance you're talking about, because really we're we're watching this this. It's not even hyperbole to say that it's a descent into tyranny, and we're watching it take place, and yet people, instead of being riled up and upset about that, they're upset about their neighbor who won't wear their mask to the grocery store. I mean, it's, it's this massive psychological manipulation that that's working and that's what, that's what scares me. Yeah.
1: You're yeah. absolutely right. And it puts me in mind, um, of the book called life, uh, life and death in Shanghai. If I'm using and you probably know the book mm-hmm. and, um, My sister gave me that book a few years ago, and she's read it a couple times, and it's exactly what's going on, and I highly recommend that book for anyone who wants to understand. I will link to it, it too. It won't be as shocking to people now, because we are living it, but when I read this a few years ago, I was absolutely flabbergasted, and I've lived in a third world country. I lived in Morocco for about five years, and I remember uh, writing letters home saying, well, the post office ran out of stamps again, and believe it or not, there was no toilet paper, which is also very interesting. Yes, yes, in and, China also. And I think also that goes to the dignity of the human being. That's something that's so, um, you know, personal as your personal hygiene, it really can can um, go to people feeling just not not right. <laughs> so I think that is yeah. really interesting. Yeah. That is that is a common thing, and. Um, The other thing in Morocco is I had to have papers to go from city to city. I could not leave a city unless I went through a a checkpoint. And then I had to have a reason of where I was going. And so they could they would put a note of who I was going to visit in that city, and they could turn you away. So I had my mm-hmm. my papers to go from city to city. If I moved from one city to another, which I did, I had to get approval, and I had to register with the police department. Now, it may have been because I was a foreigner, but I do know that to go from city to city, everybody had to have um, your own national ID. And the stories that I told of... Which sounded so far-fetched like it's like 20 30 years ago It sounded really far-fetched when I told people that. Oh, you know what? Um The government workers just didn't get paid this month because they they used their the government it it was it's a kingdom the king took their pay and um, Donated it to the building of the mosque So these people were out of money for because they got paid weekly. They were out of money for that week and what are they going to do? This is living in a kingdom, and people. When I told them those stories, they were aghast. But now to be told that you can't go to work—the fact that people are okay with this—is far more troubling to me than the government Absolutely. doing it. I always knew the government was corrupt. I always—I've um, been following the um, the corruption and the deep rabbit holes for a long, long time, many, many years. I know. Although I don't speak about it, that's not my forum with the Healthy American. At the Healthy American, I'm trying to give some action steps like here's how to shop in the store and here's how to get your kid's school open. But I'm very well aware of the powers that be, of the new world order, of the um, banking system and uh, all of the um, perversion that goes on along with that. Very, very well aware of that. And I, what I'm surprised at, Brittany, is the acceleration It was. It's almost like everybody was just gunning their engine, you know. And now now we've all everybody hit the accelerator pedal, and it's coming from all angles, you know. The the cash cash uh, short. No cash can be used now. Uh, First, it was no coins. Now it's no cash. You. So what I foresee, and and it's a little bit dire, but I do I do have a happy ending. What I foresee is that um, they've conditioned, as they have conditioned us, to shop online. And to receive food at home through the Instacart and, you know, Albertson's delivery and buy it on Amazon and all of that. People are like, well, just just shop online, Peggy. You don't have to go in the grocery store. They'll just deliver it. Well, we've already seen there are shortages. So you go to buy dog food online at Costco like I normally do. Yeah. And, um, well, we don't have it in stock. So I've already been conditioned to buy it. Um they're not going to let me in other stores because I won't wear a mask or get a vaccine or any of that. So over the last six months, I've been preparing in my own way for the future. And I recommend everybody do that because the day will come when there won't be any grocery stores that you walk into. Everyone will place their order online. And then the next phase after that is you don't even place your order. They will send you what the government thinks you need. And so you're, you know, depending on the size of your family, you'll get, you know, one pound of meat and two apples and one bag of rice. And then pretty soon, well, you know what, it's going to be half a pound of meat because, you know, food insecurity, food insecurity and um, and so on and so forth. And we are in a in a war and I would like people to decide what side they're on. Um, what battle and what platoon uh, they want to join up with. And I'm at thehealthyamerican.org. I will put you in contact with local people in your area. Um, and, you know, I just decided today I am going to charge a small fee for that because I don't want to be infiltrated by the evildoers who might come in and try to usurp our um, system. So um, it'll, it'll be very small fee but that is to protect you. And all of that money is going to go into a legal fund. And that legal fund will be available to those that are, as I say, trying to keep open and the business coming down and they have to get a lawyer. And like, I, I want to say, I got your back. I, if you are ready to stand up, I stand with you. And I understand. I have a great deal of empathy for those that are like, I've got to put on the mask and go to work or I can't feed my family. Hey, I am fighting for you, but I want you to help me by spreading the word. And I want you to help me by hopping on board and getting with others in your group who can empower you to fight your employer. And I'm sorry to say, you're not going to have an employer if you work at a grocery store. All of this is going to be automated. All of the food is going to be delivered um, through the government. It's going to be centralized communism. And I will just add this comment as well. Countries that lived under Nazis, like Romania, the Nazis came in and controlled them for a period of time. And after the Nazis came, the Communists. They begged to have the Nazis back. Okay, communism is so bad that it made Nazism seem like peace and freedom, in comparison. So those of you that are all about the socialist way of life, and you know I'm responsible for your health somehow, even though you're eating Big Macs and French fries and mm-hmm. smoking and you know, um, you really need to examine your way of thinking. And, and there may be some that actually do like communism because they've been so conditioned to never make a choice in their life. And my heart goes out to them and my prayers go for them because they are looking to the government as their God. And there is only one God who created you and created you for a purpose, created you with a thinking mind, an intellect, the ability to reason, and the ability to make choices in a way that honors God. doesn't honor the government. And for those of you that have been seeking and feeling empty and despairing, there is hope. There is one true hope. And I find it through prayer. And and if anyone is interested in that path, they can reach out to me. My husband is a pastor. He offers prayerful support. It doesn't matter. Faith, no faith. People of no faith need it more than ever. Uh, A kind and sympathetic listener who can um, offer you support. We all need that despair and the psychological grinding down. And what you said, Brittany, the fighting against each other is exactly what these evildoers want. Because when we are fighting about masks, they are pulling away the cash and the jobs and the, any, like we're holding on by the shreds. Now there is some good news. Um, There are some movements uh, in California in particular, and I I believe in other areas, although I'm not well versed on them, in California, there's a movement called the New California State, and you can go to New California State. And I, I am loosely affiliated. I've just learned of this. Um, I, I knew about it for a, a couple of years when they, or a year or so, when they've been in uh, operation. But right now, my interest is really amplified because there are legal methods of creating a new state, and the fact that the assembly is not assembling gives us the ability. To have our own representatives call a Congress. And so I would like everybody to stick with me or go to the new California state. There's going to be a convention in September. I'm going to be one of the speakers. It's just good to learn more. There's so much information on that website about the grievances that we, the people, are are bringing forth. And there is a federal, um, there is a legal way federally for. a new state to be entered into the union. And you know what? At this point, I don't even care if we're a part of the union, uh, the union of the United States. I'm 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 ready to just have like our own country. And, um, And, and that may be, you know, personally, I am going to take this all the way to heaven. And what I mean by that is I am never backing down and I have so much courage and confidence and it's actually supernatural strength. Okay. It's not me. I feel that God is working, I mean, and again, take it for for how you want. But this is this is um, beyond the human ability to handle because it is a spiritual battle. It is good and evil, and the evildoers want to say what is bad is good. They want to say that breathing carbon dioxide is good, and staying home makes you healthy, and having people suffer and die of loneliness in nursing homes is for everyone's benefit. Any thinking person that breaks out of the trance is going to know that that is wrong. And that's how you know it's a spiritual battle. When when good is called evil and evil is called good. And anyone knows that now. So um, as I say, we need to stick together. We need to pull back from the brink of despair. And the way to do that is in community. In the smallest, yeah. I call it local and vocal. Yeah. We are doing that. And, and I'm so grateful to be a part of, of what you've got going on, Brittany. And I hope we can continue to um, spread this message because I, I want people to know they're not alone. We're not in this together. <laughs> but we're not isolated. We're not alone. We're not I love yeah. that. So yeah. that, that's really the main message that I, that I wanted to make on a broader scale of um, there is hope. You have to be willing to decide what what you personally want to do. There are those that will just stay locked in their homes until um, the knock at the door. So There are no more viruses, and uh, it may be worse. They may be um, forcibly taken to a you know a sterile location, and they will go because they think it's good for them. I, for one, am not going. Um, so I might meet my comrades in heaven mm-hmm. sooner than later. But and I don't even like to use that word comrade. See, it's already working yeah. on me. My patriots. Uh, but that's how it gets. Isn't it interesting the language we start to use those words like "oh, mm-hmm. my comrade in arms" and like actually, I don't want to use those terms anymore because it is um, troubling to me that people are so willing to um, to not think. And I-, I would love to hear more about your yeah. experience in Asia and how that informed your outlook. Oh
0: yeah, and, and I think I mean I'm going to have to let you go in a second, and I think I'm going to have to have you back on because there's so much more I want to ask you about. Yeah, but um, yeah, I I do feel that people I, I feel like there's there's a profound naivete in America about political systems, and you know the the people that you talk to in China it's not that they're a bunch of political activists. It's not that that's their thing. It's that they've lived through it and or their parents have lived through it and they understand the dangers. Um, you know, millions of them risked their lives, gave away everything just to, to emigrate to Hong Kong where they could, you know, not be starved to death or murdered or thrown in a, in a camp. Um, I feel like maybe you do need to see that up close before or talk, you know, talk. It's not like I saw that, but I saw the damage that it had done and I saw met so many people who have lived through that. Maybe you have to have a close experience with something that evil, that destructive in order to understand what we're up against because I, am not, I'm, I'm, I'm astounded by the response of most Americans that they're, you know, that they ridicule people for being afraid of a government that's too strong. Well, just look at it. Look at the last century of world history. I mean, I'm not making this up, you know? Um, yeah, so I got to let you go. I'm sorry. Um, but let's do this again. There's a lot more I want to ask you about. Um, and there's, there's you know, a lot more going on. I'm actually, it's interesting. You mentioned the new California state later today, I'm going to be talking with Mark Baird from the state of Jefferson. Um, so, you know, there, there is a lot of exciting stuff happen. I feel like there are a lot of people really standing up and um, forming organizations coming up with strategies and, you know, it's not all, it, it's, they're all kind of connected with each other in some way, but it's a lot of different efforts and there's a lot of really positive stuff happening. So yeah, I'm encouraged too. And maybe that's a coping mechanism. I don't know, but, um, but yeah, thank, thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much for coming on and we are going to have to do this again. Thank you so much, Brittany. I really look forward to it. And I thank you. Okay.